Hi, and welcome to the Role Playing Exchange. Uh, I am your host today, uh, David. Uh, do not adjust your ears. I know that I don't sound like the usual Mr. Thornsburg, <laughs> but uh, he is with me in channel. Uh, today, we are going to talk about a local convention that is very near and dear to my heart here in Springfield, Missouri, uh, Tremendicon. And I feel like I should introduce our panelists so that everybody knows who we got. Uh, from the top, we have... Top of the alphabet. Hey, this is Adam. Uh, it's nice. I mean, thank you so much for a great introduction, David. It's, uh, I, I, like to, I like to ride in the passenger seat, man. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh well unfortunately i was not able to go to Terminicon. i've heard quite a bit about it and i have been looking forward to this conversation for about a week now and then next we have with a b well i'm assuming that would be myself uh hello i'm brandon perkins and i am the director of the game design track of Terminicon. and then rounding out with a lovely c oh hello i'm chris or Crazon review cultist if you've been around RPX, you probably know me by now. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and we really wanted to have both of our members of RPX with us today, mostly because this is a convention that just felt like it would be perfect for RPX. Because uh, Tremendicon is extremely new. Let's talk about the history of the convention. This was year two? Yes, year two. And year one was pretty successful, but I like to think that year two was a little bit better. We've figured out a little bit more about what we can do to make it even better. Um, I say we because um, I am volunteering for it should I be able to make it next year. This convention was absolutely, uh, absolutely wonderful. And uh, it is a creator's convention. So it's not a fan con per se, as much as it is, so you want to make things. Uh, here are some of the best practices and the ways to do it. And to that end, um, I'd like to invite Brandon to tell us a little bit about his track. So Brandon, um, you said that you were in charge of the game design track. I am. So what exactly does that entail? So the game design track, as you might guess, would deal with anything involving game design for board games, uh, tabletop, role-playing games, uh, card games, uh, and in theory, video games, but we haven't had any panels so far on video games. And I'd like to back up just a second and maybe unpack a little bit more about what the other tracks are. So... The focus is on education, inspiration, encouragement, collaboration, and charity. And our charity is Ozark's Food Harvest here in Springfield, making sure that people have food and meals. Um, the tracks that we have, we've got an artist track to deal with, you know, everything from painting on canvas to just drawing we have a writer's track for those who want to delve into the craft of weaving tales um, there's my track the game design track there's a cosplay track we have a comic book track we have a multimedia track which does include things like podcasting 
We have a Maker's Track uh, with uh, Ye Olde Lasersmith and uh, the, uh, I can't remember the gentleman who did uh, Grimbeard Leather. Uh, I was about to say, if you don't remember, I, I know do. you do. And we also had a kids programming track. And basically, the idea of Tremendicon is to come and learn to do the things that you're already excited about. And uh, we had uh, uh, quite a few people uh, in, involved. I don't yet have the totals for our attendance, but we were able to hand the Ozarks Food Harvest uh, $1,500. We, we handed them more than that uh, in just from the various charities uh, for Ozarks Food Harvest. Um, we had the... Um, the 501st showed up and they did a shoot a stormtrooper or shoot an imperial officer uh, deal that they raised $120 just doing that um, and they did that all uh, all Sunday morning uh, as I can interject for just a second as far as Ozarks Food Harvest one of their biggest programs is that they will do school lunches and not so much paying for children to have a lunch at school as much as they send backpacks home with children who need food so that they're feeding kids, mainly children. And so that's that's why it's a very near and dear to our heart charity. They they make sure that the children don't go hungry. And they're they're very good at what they do and they're they're yes, an awesome, they are. awesome group. Now you asked me about what I was doing, so uh, being head of the game design track, I was in charge of getting guests that would come and talk about their game design. So we had a local game company, Foretold Studios, uh, who were bringing their game Strife that they're still working on to the con, and that was at our the the low end. You know, the, those who are getting their feet wet. But at the other end, we had Shane Lacey Hensley of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. He was there and obviously ran Deadlands, and he was talking about Deadlands and his uh, Kickstarters and his involvement with video games and novels, and he was very kind and very approachable. Um, he brought his sons with him. They had a lot of fun uh, running around and playing games and engaging with the other tracks and they were really appreciative of the different programming that we had and uh, we also had uh, Jay Zeta Games who were our big supporter and uh, I can't say enough good things about John and his son and then there was Wham Wham Games out of Kansas City, Missouri St. Louis, and Bearded Board Games. Adam from Bearded Board Games came with them. Uh, and we, there was uh, a lot of interchange of ideals. They helped out with the White Box Game Design Contest. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more on that here in a little bit. And I also want to mention that for the writer's track, um, one of our dear friends was 
part of that. That was Michaela's joy. And I am trying to think, what is her name? The romance. Uh, I think you're thinking of uh, JC. Oh, I can't remember her last name. Dang it. I'll have to see if I can find the program. But that would probably be in the guests. I know that we had John Horner Jacobs was there, and I got a chance to sit next to him Thursday evening, and he he was a pleasure to talk with. Elsie uh, Mortimer, it would be the yes, Elsie Mortimer. Yes, uh, she was a very charming lady and gave a number of lovely, lovely tips and a couple of great panels. We also had uh, quite a few cosplayers uh, that were guests, um, like uh, the Dova Queen cosplay, Heather Martin, Scott Pope. Uh, we had Jason Martin was there with the artists, uh, Gary Bedell, local artist, but who, he's extremely talented in quite a few different fields. Uh, we had uh, the Clever Kaiju Studio was there, um, Nate Howard, James Rutherford, Josh Roberts, Aaron Conway, and Timothy Chison, as, uh just Cullen Bunn, Adam Collins, just so many different different people. Uh, and then from the mixed media, a lady that absolutely needs no introduction, the Klingon Pop Warrior, who sings pop covers in Klingon in costume. And among her credits, uh, she is actually listed on one of the most recent Star Trek shows because not only does she have such a command of the language that she can sing in it, but she speaks it better than most of the nerds and other creators. So they called her in as a language consultant, which that is a huge, huge feather in a cap or a huge piece of leather <laughs> on a botleth. And I know why I had Kansas City on my mind. That would have been Outland Entertainment, which was the other big gaming yes. guest that we had. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the guests list on uh, on the website, and you guys had quite a number of people for. Oh yeah, for for like for a small con. <laughs> oh yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> and. To be fair, let's be let's be completely honest. Yes. This is the second year of the con. I am excited to see how the guest list grows next year. Mm -hmm. um, I got to give a panel on playtesting, and the fact that I was one of the names listed amongst all of these others just kind of made me go, "Are you sure you got the right person from RPPR here?" Like <laughs> Ross would have been better, um, or Caleb, but. I was I was happy to be there, and I was very happy to give the panel. Um, I love the fact that I can look back at the panel and say I had a very attentive Dr. Stone asking me questions about how to break games, and I loved it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you mentioned this beforehand, but how many days did this run? So this last year, the one that just happened was July 7th through the 9th, and it was at the Oasis Hotel and Convention Center. Um, it was three days. Uh, we found that our first year that a lot of this programming and content that we had on Friday was poorly attended. So we cut back some on the content for Friday and pushed most of it off on to Saturday and Sunday, with the majority of it being on, on Saturday. Our 
Sunday was mostly light. One thing that I will note about this convention is that first year, uh, our Sunday was actually the busiest day of the convention, which any of you who go to a convention know Sunday, usually the last day of the con is pretty dead. And instead it was our busiest day. Yeah. And yeah. this year, this Sunday, it I wouldn't say it was as busy as as Saturday, but it was still very busy right up until about, I would say, 2 o'clock, and then it kind of petered out. Um, so we still had quite a bit of content going on. Still, uh, I had an interview that I ended up showing uh, with Nathan Russell from Peril Planet Publishing. Um that happened at uh, about one o'clock, and uh, I know that there were a few other things going on, like our wrapping of the white box to game design contest. Um, that happened before that, um, and there were quite a few people still running around playing games. Jay Zeta Games had their Blue Jays uh, tournament that went on and apparently was very successful. Uh, had quite a few people engaged in that. Um, and it just it there were in some ways it did not feel like a second year con in other ways some of the growing pains we had it definitely felt like an early year con i feel like we'll knock out some of those kinks in later years yeah like regarding the um uh uh the 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 or the the numbers that you guys got in friday it's like usually like that's when people are coming in right so and I'm actually kind of surprised that you guys were, it was almost as busy as Saturday on Sunday, because usually people are trying to get out early on Sundays. Well, and part of it was because the panels were so tightly scheduled, I believe, because there was a panel that went from like from noon to one and then one to two and two to three and three to four. And they were just back to back to back. And so if you wanted to go from a panel on writing to a panel on art to a panel on uh, playtesting games um, and just try to move. Like all of the education was there, but there wasn't a lot of travel time in between. And so I feel like the dealer's hall was somewhat underserved. Like our uh, dear friends from Nowheres who were they're a brand new store here in Springfield. We have so many different friendly local game stores, but Nowhere Store of Forgotten Lore is a new place that just opened up. And uh, Jacob and Mala are some of the nicest people. But what they commented on was the fact that normally when you are running a shop at a convention, business is pretty steady, and then you'll get a lull kind of close to the end, or you'll get lulls in the middle. but in this case, it was solid lull, ver- uh, rush at the top of the hour, solid lull, rush at the top of the hour. And it was just, they said, like clockwork throughout. And because the panels were so tightly scheduled, there wasn't a whole lot of time for dilly-dally or shopping. And our friend Greg was running the gaming room with one of the other directors. And he also commented on the fact that the gaming room was not nearly as populated as it had been in years past. And that was largely because of the fact that the panels were so tightly scheduled. After the panels were done for the day, that's when all of a sudden there would be a big rush. 
The problem with that was that's also when usually end of day there wasn't really any time for the dealer's room because usually they were a lot of things that were end of day the dealer's room was already closed i feel like we're going to need to do something new with our vendors i think we need to get our vendors closer to their prospective clientele um I've got some ideas on that, and I've heard some ideas on that, but it, we do need to do something for them, too, because they, they're there. They've, they've paid to be there. They're expecting a return on that investment, and we need to find some way to make that happen. So like put them in a more centralized location. I'm thinking something along those lines. Uh, we might even be able to, to make use of that space differently. Yes. Since Tremendicon is such a different kind of convention, I think that means that we might need to take some things that other conventions have done conventionally, if you will excuse the pun and we might need to do it differently because of this being a different con we might need to get the vendors that would cater to the makers closer to them we might need to get the people with the cosplay materials closer to the cosplayers uh, the, the the writers who are selling their 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 work their craft we need to get them closer to the other writers we need to get the art supplies closer to the artists and i think that we can reuse the space then a different way we might be able to put more stuff in that space i mean we're only the second year con and our first and second years we've literally used all of the space in the hotel that they've allotted for us um, and in some ways it already feels like we need more room if that tells you anything about how successful the convention was that we've already kind of stretched the limits of this convention space what i was going to point out too is that a number of our vendors were also makers so for the makers track if you wanted to make something, so some of the cosplay accessories, but also really gorgeous dice towers or deck boxes for card games, or like there were a number, there was this little dragon plush toy that wrapped around your wrist. And I swear, if I had had one extra hour, I would have had three of those things. Because <laughs> it, was, it was so gorgeous just to see all of the different things that were being made and most of the vendors uh, that were doing those were also donating not just their time but some of the materials one of the reasons why we really want to give a good shout out to grimbeard is because not only was he there to sell his product but he hosted a number of classes on how to do leatherworking and Every single class that he hosted, and I mean every one of them, all of the proceeds went to Ozark Food Harvest. I would say that out of that 1,500 number, at least a good two, 300 was just from the various Grimbeard classes. And this man, big bear of a guy with a beard to match, and he is just an absolute sweetheart. Um, I can't say enough good about him, especially because of that. Like, all of the classes. And then we had, like I said, um, 
every single one of these classes where it was a make it and take it, um, we would see them roaming around the convention later, like all of these little kids with the dragons on their arms. Uh, I can't tell you the number of potion bottles I saw hanging from people's belts. And I was like, I made that. I made one of those in the class. Here's mine. So it was, it was just uh, unreal. You normally don't see all of that at a convention, or at least not to this level. Yeah, I just found the actual... I just found the actual number, so we were able to hand Ozark's food harvest one thousand six hundred and forty-seven dollars, and I know one hundred and twenty of that was from the five hundred first stormtrooper group. So that's how the breakdown of that went, um, and and it, like it's, like we've been discussing, it's a it's a really good cause. And Chris was going to say something a while back. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was honestly just going to ask. Um, uh, I think I was going to bring up something about like the because you guys we were talking about like uh, the uh, you guys are exceeding the space, and um, I, I was going to bring up that from before we started recording, we were talking about like the the convention space. Um, do you think because like they they were renovating parts of the convention, uh, the the hotel and the convention center uh, space this year? Would there be more room, you think, next year? Or like, are you guys going to have to expand outside of the Oasis? I think yeah. that most likely we would have to expand outside of the Oasis to get more space because we are using literally every conference room that they have. <laughs> like the room that we were in this year for the uh, game design track was essentially what you would see as a small meeting boardroom. Oh, wow. <laughs> So we could comfortably fit 20, and we did for quite a number of the different panels. Like, we filled that room every single time. Uh, There were three different ballrooms. You know, we just kept stealing chairs out of the gaming room. (laughs) But fortunately, Greg was okay with that. In fact, I think he carried a couple of the chairs sometimes. It's weird. All it takes is one person stumbling into the room with a cane going, I need to grab this chair. I will get that for you. <laughs> like magic. So you guys mentioned this beforehand. I've always, I mean, honestly, the cons that I've been to pretty much been limited to origins up in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, uh, Gen Con is a little one. It's kind of comes around every once in a while uh, up in Indianapolis. So what's the uh, difference between... Uh, those types of cons that are very, I mean, focused, uh, centered toward gamers and, and whatnot, and a creator con. Well, um, I can field that one a little bit better, I think. Uh, so not only have I gone to Gen Con with you a number of times, um, not only have I been to Origins once or twice, I've also gone to Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. And to basically sum it up, um, Gen Con is, look at these games, aren't they amazing? We made these games, come play our games and buy them if you want. Um, Not only is it a case of going to play the games, it's the best four days in gaming for a reason. Um, Those are the finished product. Those are games that have been played, tested, mass-produced, and are ready for you. And then they've got an entire hall devoted to come play our games and test them out. That's that's Gen Con in a nutshell. Would you agree? Sounds right. Now, 
the flip side of it, um, Planet Comic Con, uh, that is a convention where it's come and meet these stars of stage, screen, TV, and the page. Uh, would you like to meet your favorite comic book artist? Would you like to meet your favorite author? Would you like to have them sign their book? Um, that's where I met uh, George Takei both times. That's where I got to meet Jim Butcher. Um, that's where I got to share a cigarette with Bruce Campbell. Uh, people who have established careers, people who are very big within media, that is a fan convention because these are people who have done the work. They've become inspirations. They have, they've, they're basically people who you recognize because they have risen to the top of their field. So this is a creator con. So this is for people who are maybe not at the top of their field, but maybe they're just starting out. And if you want to be the featured act at Comic-Con, a creator con is a good place to start because you're going to run into people who are going to show you the ropes, they're going to tell you the steps that you need to take, and they're going to help you make it happen. Um, Comic-Con is where you go to get your book signed. Uh, Tremendicon is where you go to get your book written. Or to get help with the design. Uh, we had several of our tracks, the artist track, the comic book track, and I think they were doing something similar for the writer's track where, like, they had several different time slots just to review your portfolio and give you some critiques from professionals who've been down the road, they've gone where you want to get to, and they're here to tell you, well, this is really good, this could use some work. You're really strong here, keep working on that, but you need to shore this up. Um, and we had at least three different professional artists, writers, you know, comic book artists who were all part of that portfolio review and, and would help you out on that. Um, that kind of segues nicely into talking about the game design contest that we ran. So if you're not familiar with the white box, it's a... it's. Oh, yeah. The Kickstarter for it, it was touted as a game design conference in a box. It comes with a book of essays by Jeremy Holcomb. There are a bunch of knickknacks and meeples and dice and tokens and counters in five different colors and a bunch of uh, things that you can punch out and use with a dry erase marker. So it's got a lot of components that you can use to design a board game. So what we did is we got our contestants. We had three people sign up. And Friday evening, we just had them look at the contents and come up with a concept. And we gave them some very basic rules. From the time that we opened the box to the time we finished playing, your game needed to be complete within 30 minutes. Your game needed to be engaging, meaning that we didn't want people looking at their watch or looking at what the other tables are doing. They needed to be engaged with your game. 
and we also wanted to make sure that the rules were easily accessible so that if we weren't in at the end of that 30 minutes we weren't still reading through your rules you needed to be able to open the box read your rules and actually play the game within that 30 minute time frame so on saturday we got them in we got them with their concept we started talking about how we could apply their concept to the components of the white box and then we told them that they needed to take a couple of hours and work on their concept and use the components in the box and then we told them that they needed to go and play test their games in the game area and that if they couldn't find anybody else to play with that they needed to be willing to play test each other's designs and then sunday morning we got all of their designs together and our group of judges which was myself and david one of the gentlemen from foretold the group from wham wham games and adam from bearded board games and we played the games and workshopped them talked about how what we liked what we thought could use some work essentially these people were given 24 hours to conceptualize rapid prototype and play test a game and bring that game to us. Universally, they all had little flaws, but the gentleman who came in third place got $150 offered to him to buy his game right out then and there Sunday afternoon, and he accepted the offer. The second place was a really cool chess alternative that had multiple different armies that could work in different ways. Uh, the guys from Wham Wham Games pulled him aside and said, we want to help you work on this so that this will become a fully developed published game. And then the guy who got first place, he won $200 for his efforts. And he got pulled aside by Adam from Bearded Board Games, and they told him, we want to help develop your game into a fully developed published game. So, in essence, all three of our participants won. Oh, yeah. Like, I love what um, Adam from Bearded Board Games said uh, regarding Gnomes in the Garden, which was the winning uh, game. He said, it's a game that involves lawn gnomes, and once you said lawn gnomes, you had my attention. He said, look at our logo, look at this game, you see how these two things go together. <laughs> so he wants to publish it because it fits their logo so well, and it fits within their milieu. And it is a good little game. I feel like we had such a resounding success with the white box this year. I can hardly wait to see what happens for the next. And I am hoping that by the time that um, this convention rolls around again, there's going to be potato boat uh, available for purchase or um, gnomes in the garden. <laughs> and like I have with a couple of my different board games, I am going to find both of these young men. And I'm going to have them sign the final product after I've purchased it. Because I, I want signed copies on my shelf. 
That sounds really cool. And I mean, I like, I haven't never experienced a con like this. I, I like the fact that you're giving creators an opportunity to, you know, seek out help and experiences from people who've already went down that road before. Cause I, I can tell you, even with like doing stuff podcasting wise, cause I know, I remember you mentioning stuff about streaming and whatnot that it's a very, it can be a very solitary thing and uh, providing people with a great opportunity to share ideas and uh, gain insights into the, the craft is uh, definitely worthwhile. Yeah. And also like, it's a lot of people are doing it like podcast stuff, but, and it, but it's also fairly new territory. So yeah. It, and it's good to have workshops for it. I, I'm wanting to get into switch streaming, not Twitch, but switch because I've been playing a number of games on my Nintendo switch of late. And I went to a couple of panels on how to do that. The fact that there are in fact panels on streaming that will give you good advice on how to do this um, warms my heart. And I know that there's a number of different podcasts out there that got started um, after the ones that I was attached to. And I still don't know the first thing about podcasting. I don't know the technical aspects of it that go on behind the screens. I don't know any of the technologies that go into it, but I know people who do, and I can point new podcasters towards those older folks that know what they're doing. But um, there, there is a reason why a lot of podcasts fail in the first, I want to say year of podcasting, because mm -hmm. um, people get discouraged because they don't build up the audience. People get, disheartened because the technology doesn't work for them the way that they want to and there's just this dropped audio and then you don't realize that the audio is dropped until you go to listen back to it and then all of a sudden you get met up get boot, and you're like oh, dang it yeah that is my nightmare my, my ever waking <laughs> nightmare nowadays <laughs> which which is kind of why right now there is a belt and suspenders going because not only do we have the one recording but there's also the local recording and knowing adam he's actually got the discord recording the local recording and then a backup to the backup just in case the first backup <laughs> fails i can't be heard again david i can't <laughs> <laughs> not to call you out or anything but that is one of those best practices that you you learned that one the hard way yeah and i feel like if you were to give a discussion that would be one of the first first things that you would say is, oh, by the way, just so you know, don't do this. <laughs> Honestly, I try to live my life like it's a cautionary tale, really. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely have a lot to add into it. And, I mean, I think it's really cool that you all provided this service. I have a quick question. You mentioned like gaming area. Did you all have... You know, for people who are listening that may want to attend next year too, was there any kind of other organized play going on during the con? Actually, yes. Um, so the folks at JZ were running a massive, massive tournament for their game Blue Jays Elements. And um, it was taking place through half of the gaming space, and it was glorious to see. There were players as young as eight, um, players as old as 
somewhere in the mm -hmm, uh, 40s, maybe. I, 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 a gentleman does not guess. But there was also the So You Want to Be a GM fellows that were teaching how to be dungeon masters for Dungeons and Dragons. And I know that D&D &D is the most mainstream of tabletop games but once you learn how to be a dm once you learn how to be a screen jockey for one game you use those skills to translate to another one and so there were workshops on how to be dms and to be fair the gentleman who made potato boat um didn't get as much of a chance to play test his game because he was also being a dad and teaching his kids how to play D. &D. <laughs> Yes, yes. That guy was a master dad because he also had a child who had some, uh, he had some special needs. And that guy was on top of taking, not care of not just his kid with his special needs and his other kids, but at one point in time, he was, he had like seven kids and only four of those were his. <laughs> Suddenly DM has new men. Yeah, <laughs> like d d d uh, DM means dungeon master, right? It's like no, it means dad master. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's just some of the organized play. Um, to be fair, our friend Greg was so Greg is Queen City Cardboard. Um, his uh, slogan is "Play to Learn," and he was running the game lending library as well. So quasi-organized. Um, I guarantee you that if you wanted somebody to play a game with and you walked in and said, I don't know what to play, Greg wouldn't have just waved at the gone, there's the library, pick something out. Uh, this man will sit down with you, pick up whatever game you're after, and he will ask you, what kind of game do you want? What is your style of play? And then he will help you find it. Um, he was also very good about helping our players find playtesters. And um, if you don't mind me using that as a tiny segue, I got to give a I got to give a panel on how to playtest things. And as a playtester, um, one of the hardest things to do is to look at the game and figure out where is it going to break. And for me to be able to take a game. And for me to look at it and go, this is the rule that needs a little bit of shoring up. This is the spot that needs clarification because rules as written is probably not rules as intended. Let's let's fix this. Um, I try to be gentle in giving that critique. There are a lot of game designers who hear you say, this is something that doesn't work the way that you think it is. And they just get, <laughs> suddenly you've just hit the werewolf button. How dare? Baru! I mean, it's... It's, it's horrifying sometimes. But our players for this year were very, um, very receptive. I mentioned a minor bug in um, the Deadlands card game to Shane Hensley, and he agreed because he had run into the same bug himself, and it, it made my day just a little bit. Um, so he, basically, his pieces, you roll the die to see if the piece will clap when the pieces clash with the other pieces so say i have an archer and brandon has a samurai so my archer will shoot at the samurai 
And since the archer has a range of four, the intent is that if the archer loses the clash, he just misses. However, rules is written, the loser of the clash takes damage equal to the amount of difference between the dice. So suddenly the samurai are all reflecting arrows. <laughs> suddenly the tanks are bouncing arrows all the way across the battlefield. It's like, oh no, shield. Bwong. <laughs> and so rules is written. Those archers were just it's like, why am I shooting myself with this boomerang? And then um, he, when we talked to him about it, um, turns out that in all of his play tests, he had been on hand to explain it, that that was his intent. And he didn't write it down like that on the card. And he said, well, I thought I wrote it. And so we pull out the card and he did not. And he's like, oh, shoot. And I thought that he would have probably said something a little bit stronger, but his dad was right there. It was definitely the Christmas story, oh, fudge, but I didn't say fudge. <laughs> oh, yes. It's like, I, I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was um, a wonderful experience all around. Um, I would do all of it again if I had the chance. In fact, there's a couple of things that I would change. I, If I could clone myself and be in two or three places at once, I would have because there were so many of the writer's panels that I missed. There were so many of the um, mixed media panels that I would have liked to have gone to because even though I've been a part of technically, I want to say four podcasts now. Say that's maybe, about accurate. Cast member on at least two, special guest on at least two, and then there's probably a couple more that I am just forgetting off the top of my head, but I could always learn more. And I feel like there was information there that I just didn't get the opportunity to absorb. And I am hoping that next year, next year is going to be bigger. Next year is going to be even more enriching than this year was, if such a thing is even possible. And I like how uh, you all have alluded to uh, this is not just a two time and done type of thing, too. So the Commandicon has already been uh, for 2024 is already in the works? Question mark? Yes, it's going to be May 31st through June 2nd of next year. And as to Yes, if you have, you haven't come, I would highly recommend that you hop on our website and go and take a look at it. Uh, uh, it definitely would would like to invite as many people as who would care to come to please come. Uh, you can uh, reach out to me at m a l c k u s s at gmail dot com and ask me some questions about Tremendicon. Uh, and I, I'm going to be the director. It sounds like I'm getting some more people that are going to help out with the game design track. Uh, I can forward any inquiries to uh, Dave Stanfield or the appropriate track director. Uh, I, I welcome inquiries. Awesome. And that website is also going to be attached in the show notes, but it is... Uh... From www.tremendicon, T R E M E N D I C O N.com. Yes. 
Awesome. And if I can share one or two little anecdotes, um, I especially love that Adam from Bearded Board Games has his own podcast um, because he got his start by basically designing board games over his lunch breaks. So he has a uh, he has a podcast about playing board games and eating lunch. And um, I immediately found a kindred spirit within him because I'm looking at his game Fences. And I noticed that he's got purple playing pieces in there. And so I said, hmm, I wonder, are these purple ones? Because, and he said, yeah, we originally prototyped them as green, but my son's favorite color is purple. And so we had to make them purple. At which point I said, I have to buy this game now. You know this, right? He's like, I kind of figured. So (laughs) I've got my copy of Fences. (laughs) And I've... I am blanking so hard on the actual name of his podcast. I think it's Eat Eat Lunch and Board Game. I do believe it is. Thank you. Eat Lunch and Board Game. Should be a slogan that is like, and I'm all out of lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that does sound about right. (laughs) Which, to be fair, I do feel, and I'm all out of lunch. You're diabetic. You need to eat. Looking forward to it. <laughs> and I do have a clarification. His his website is eatlunchandboardgame.com. Yes. Um, also, Outland Entertainment, they made um, Siege Command, which is a very lovely game. Um, I know that he's also got a website, and there's more to it than that. Um, I think he also has a podcast, but I can't be sure. And there is this lovely, lovely open world uh, dungeon simulator, dang it, mapping software. And uh, we will get the website for that for the show notes because it's a bit of a mouthful. But um, if you log into this mapping software, you can basically drill down into your maps to where you can make, say, the map of a town. Mm-hmm. And then click on a location in the town, and basically you've got the location of the tavern, and you can pull up a map of the tavern. And then within the tavern, the map of the basement, like it's it's beautiful. You can just oh, wow. layers upon layers all the way down. And if you use the um, the code that we're going to link with it, uh, you can get two months of this software for free. It's in open beta, and I highly recommend it for all of your mapping needs. Okay. I can get on that. <laughs> oh, he, he sent me the link and asked me about it earlier. I would definitely include that. <laughs> and um, I think that that's pretty much everything. Um, definitely, yeah. Yeah, That that's all I got. <laughs> it sounds like you guys had a great time, and uh, like both on the back end and like attending. So. Oh, yes. Um, it took me a week to recover. <laughs> Because I'm not as robust as I used to be, but I still say it was absolutely worth it. I would be lying down for two weeks and still consider it worth it. Yeah, it took me a little bit to recover. Not quite as much time as David, but uh, it was. I, w- I was down for a bit. Yeah, conventions do that to you on the best of times, and. Yeah. When you're also working on the in the convention, I can only imagine that it it's a little bit extra. 
Oh, yeah. And, and I wasn't even doing anything crazy. Like, I didn't drink heavy or, you know, stay up ridiculously late. Or you just started from the first few or... minutes of the morning and stayed working until the last minute of the evening. Yeah, pretty much. Gee, I wonder why you were tired. You were working longer than eight-hour days. Hmm. Uh, I'll have to take that from somebody who observed more than from my personal experience, because it was more just like a blur. <laughs> yes. Gentlemen, I, I definitely appreciate you all have, uh, joining us and having this conversation today. Uh, David, thank you so much for suggesting uh, this topic. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for jumping on board with here, man. I, it sounded like a lot of fun was had. and Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. And looking forward to this kind of recap next year. See what you all get into at the 2024 Sermeticon. Hopefully some even more shenanigans. <laughs> oh, yes. And thinking that there is going to be another one of these con wraps in oh, about a month. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, so oh, aren't we going to this little bitty thing up in Indianapolis? Yeah, this the small little thing that yeah. I wish I could attend. You lucky <laughs> bastards! Oh, I'm going to be rolling in style this time, Grayson. I'm, I've got a scooter rented. Nice. <laughs> but is it decked out in purple? Not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the RPPR like family or like circle of friends will be able to uh help accommodate that <laughs> it's it's red and black and i'm sure that by the time that i get onto it there will be a purple flag flying from the back of the thing whether i put it there or not <laughs> i'm almost imagining them like rppr just like the, the rppr banner on the back of it <laughs> all i have to do uh, is just blow the horn <laughs> just <laughs> and then uh, people are just going to come out of the woodwork it's going to be glorious yeah. then it yeah. always is yeah but yeah thanks for uh also introducing me to a new convention uh i mean i'm a bit far away <laughs> but yeah i it's it's always good to see like find like a new a new convention that it also like isn't just like a, it's not just a fan convention but it's also like more of like a like a workshopping for like creatives and such and one of the things that the first Remendicon definitely did better than the second is that the first had more things archived. I am hoping that should you not be able to make it to the other one because you are somewhat far away. I like, mean, you're within the continent. But... I, I'm, I'm on the continent, but I think, I think if I was to drive down to Missouri, it'd be about a 15-hour drive, <laughs> if I had to guess. Give so. or take. Which I'll um, do because that's what I do. <laughs> I just I, I don't I don't take planes. I drive if I can. And I I would be glad to have you here. We we would find a place for you to crash, one way or another. We would put you up. But um, I feel like one of the things that we're going to be working on for future Tremendicons is recording the panels. Mm, yeah. So that those who are unable to attend physically. Yeah, that actually might be something you guys might want to look into for the future is like even having like like recording them, obviously, um, and even like setting up like a YouTube channel um, for Tremendicon 
Yes. Yes. Uh, we've discussed wanting to record and wanting to put things up, uh, not just so that it interests people in coming to Tremendicon. Hey, this is the kind of content you can expect, but also so that those of us who are working the convention can get a chance to look at some of the stuff that we didn't get a chance to participate in because we were making sure the convention itself went off without a hitch. So it has definitely been something that's on our minds. And hopefully something that we can do like an audio recording, because as I have stated, this is a face for audio. You're too cruel to yourself, sir. Like, I'm sure that if they tried to shoot video of me, the camera would break itself. It's... Oh, pasha. <laughs> it can't handle this much, David. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's the great way. <laughs> Everything just saturates out to purple. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, thank you all so much. Brandon, do you have any socials you want to share? I mean, obviously, probably the website once more, but is there any, anything else as we do an outro? Uh, not really. I've managed to plug them already. I think uh, uh, I'm I'm a very simple man, and uh, in some ways, I'm I'm still kind of a luddite. Well, gentlemen, once again, thank you all so much for joining us. For those of you tuning in for the first time, uh, you can catch the Rope Point Exchange at uh, com. We are also on Facebook, facebook.com/slash/RopePointExchange, and finally. I was at <laughs> drug kicking and streaming many years ago onto Twitter, and you can find me at RP Exchange, uh, where basically we post all of our episode updates. And if you would like to contribute and help us keep those nasty bills at bay, uh, we also have a Patreon. We're at uh, patreon.com slash Exchange. Uh, on. how about yourself, sir? Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, well, when I'm not on RPX, I run not one, but two podcasts. <laughs> um, Aldente Rigamortis, which is effectively a creepypasta discussion review book, uh, um, uh, book club. And um, we basically just take creepypastas and read them and then critique them and, and discuss the, the contents of uh, with me and two of my hosts and sometimes some guest hosts. Um, and then when I'm not r reading creepypastas, I'm running games for my uh, Meat Space crew and some of my online friends uh, over at One Less Die, uh, which is just a, it started off as a Shadowrun and other games actual play podcast, but it's quickly become just a tabletop RPG actual play podcast. I so. hear great things about that, especially that current, uh, what's that, Vazen? Yeah, campaign uh, that you're looking at. Yeah, we're actually we're currently uh, posting up um, uh, Ravenloft set in Vossen, the RPG. So uh, it's not D and D; it's in a different system entirely. But we're running it in. We're using the the setting of Ravenloft. And, so Vossenloft. Uh, yeah, Vossenloft. Um, the 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 official campaign name is Mistborn, but it is sort of short term down to uh, Vossenloft. Um. But yeah, so you can check that out uh, at One Less Die, and awesome. uh, well, I guess I guess I did also just say like about like you know the the evils of Twitter and stuff, but I I do have a Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> it's a review cultist, and then also One Less Die has a Twitter feed that I uh, update posts and or like when we when we post up episodes and such. So, well, thank you, man. 
I am on uh, Role Playing Public Radio. I am also on the Role Playing Exchange, where you can find it. You can find me here. This is my second internet home, and I love it. But if you're trying to find me elsewhere on the internet, you can find me as the Mauve Hand in either Discord or on the Twitter. Alrighty, thank you. And uh, Brandon, thank you once again for coming and speaking with us about Terminico. Well, thank Appreciate you again it. for having me. Uh, I I know that uh, Dave was looking forward to hearing about this, and uh, I'm just excited to to be here. Brandon, once again, I appreciate it. And David, thank you so much for bringing this idea uh, to me. And uh, until next time, we'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Sleep well. Goodbye, Internet.